UBC Stand invites you to the Dodson Room of the Irving K. Barber Learning Center on UBC campus for Debating Darfur, Thursday, January 27th at 6 p.m. Debating Darfur will feature a panel discussion focusing on current issues facing an embattled region, including the potential aftermath of the 2011 referendum in South Sudan. Refreshments will be served and admission is free, so check out Debating Darfur, Thursday, January 27th at 6 p.m. in the Dodson Room of the Irving K. Barber Learning Center on UBC campus. Support Push Festival Mania continues with previews of upcoming shows Rouge and Peter Panties, as well as an interview with Veda Hill, who seems to be involved in just about every uh, Push show that there is. Plus, we have non Push things like the film Fathers and Sons, uh, Kodo drumming is coming to Vancouver, there's a barn burner, and, uh, and 30 live music. So stay with us. Oh, yeah, and tickets to Avenue Q. And welcome to the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and CITR.ca. Today is January the 26th, and I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and uh, we are rolling right along with Push Festival coverage uh, today and uh, a little bit more next week. Next week we have um, only two, two Push previews. Um, I know, I know, we've, I've gotten used to um, having <laughs> half a show uh, devoted to Push each week now, and it's going to be sad to see uh, the, push, uh, the Push festivities uh, wind down. But uh, there's certainly still plenty of time for you to catch a Push show or two um, until uh, February the 6th, I believe. So, so really, the festival is, in, uh, is just kicking into high gear now. It's in its sort of peak phase. And uh, you should go to pushfestival.ca uh, for all the, the show info that you need. Uh, I certainly am hoping to see a few more, a few more shows in the next uh, week or two. Um, all right. Besides push uh, coverage, we also want to give you tickets to Avenue Q, which is that uh, puppet musical, uh, which I sort of know best from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, there's a... The artist, that's the main character, he makes a sort of vampire musical, and he does it in the sort of Avenue Q style. So if you haven't heard of Avenue Q, but you've seen the movie, then you know what I'm talking about, the big scene at the end where they've got these hand puppets and they're singing, you know, there's Dracula and everybody, and they're, they're all um, singing songs. And, uh, and it's, uh, from what I hear, it's fairly expensive. So free tickets are a great way to see this show and not uh, set your wallet on fire. So uh, that's a bit later in the show. So uh, you know, keep your keep your ears peeled for that and your dialing fingers ready. We also want to tell you about uh, Kodo Drumming. Uh, it's doing a tour across North America right now, and uh, we'll be at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre on Friday, and we'll have an interview to talk about that as well. There is a barn burner coming to the Chapel Arts Centre on Saturday, and it's sort of a a fundraiser for CITR, as well as being a greasy good time. Now, as to whether all the greasy good times will add to your waistline, we'll have to find out later in the show. 
Um, and uh, we also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, which is the UBC Arts Undergraduate Society. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about what they do, but um, they are available on Twitter and Facebook. Okay, I'll give it away. They um, they help out arts students at uh, at UBC and uh, have many resources for them. If you want to find out more about them, they are on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash UBCAUS or facebook.com slash UBCAUS. And you can find out what the UBC Arts Undergraduate Society could do uh, for you if you're... Uh, an arts student. But uh, first, uh, let's talk about Veda Hilly. Push is celebrating Vancouver's 125th birthday this year, and so is Veda Hilly, who's throwing a birthday party, fittingly called Happy Birthday Teenage City. It will feature a complaints choir, it'll also feature author Charlie Demers as host, and will be followed by weekend leisure karaoke. So uh, it sounds like a whole lot of fun, and um, and Veda and I talked a lot um, about this show and what it'll feature. We'll also uh, talk about some of the other shows that she's involved in, including Peter Panties, which we will have an interview on uh, later in the show, as well as Trampoline Hall. Uh, she was in Terminal City Soundscape. Her music was featured, which is a push show that, that already finished. So, yeah, Veda has, uh, seems to be playing a part in just about every Fringe uh, show. So um, uh, here we are uh, starting with her and talking about where the inspiration came from. Oh, right, we're going to start with um, the, the name, uh, Happy Birthday Teenage City, which uh, she was inspired by a Douglas Copeland book. Uh, that inspired the title, and um, it definitely struck me because the word teenage uh, seems to hint at a sort of gangly, awkward, uncomfortable, not yet finished person. So I asked her if she agrees that that's, that's the sort of characteristics she would attribute to uh, Vancouver, and here is her answer. I completely feel like that about <laughs> Vancouver. <laughs> I feel like Vancouver doesn't value its core... Uh, nature, um, which to me means, you know, understanding its roots uh, as a logging town and um, and as a, you know, as a pioneer town. I feel like Vancouver, certainly since I have uh, been an adult, has always been stretching to say, world-class city, mm-hmm. here we are, top of the world. And, I mean, we are essentially in many ways, but the way that we recognize that uh, as a group often I find kind of frustrating and I the the lack of respect for um, some of some of the original architecture and, and mm. feelings of Vancouver I also uh, you know there's a lot of buildings that go down that that I really miss and a lot of uh, signs and, and signifiers that get torn up for something much glossier mm-hmm. and generally I don't tend to like the new stuff as well there's there's exceptions like the East Van Cross is a brilliant piece I think so tell me how, how uh, or give me a, a, a sense of how uh, this is explored in, in the piece. Um, in the piece, well, there's, there's, uh, the, the, the evening is built around the Vancouver Complaints Choir. Okay. And do you know about Complaints Choirs? No, please tell me. Complaints Choirs started up in Finland, I think about four or five years ago. You can certainly watch lots of them on, uh, on the YouTube. And basically, uh, the, a composer 
collects a whole bunch of complaints about the city that the choir is in, and then the choir uh, sings these complaints, usually out in public. Um, <laughs> and Vancouver New Music started the Vancouver Complaints Choir in 2008, and then I did a song for them in 2009. And so that was, I, I found it really exciting because I always like lyrics that are drawn from, uh, uh, you know, other sources than my own sad little head. Um, so I was excited to collect complaints, and then people sent in amazing complaints, uh, you know, really uh, very interesting to work with and very passionate. So, this was, so that was the source of it. And then the Push Festival asked if I could do something with the Complaints Choir for Push, but I really thought that a full hour of complaining would just end up being uh, <laughs> a little bit much unsatisfying yeah. at the end. Very so, so I've also collected confessions about oh, okay. Vancouver and uh, congratulations, which is essentially happy things about Vancouver. So this, the choir will be doing four pieces, two complaints, because there are so many complaints, <laughs> and confessions and congratulations. And this will be uh, intersected with... Um, the uh, the excellent musings of Mr. Charlie Demers, who's a very funny Vancouver lover, mm -hmm. and also I've got a number of Vancouver artists to make two-minute birthday presents. <laughs> so uh, Jeff Berner, Laura Barrett, Chris Arific have all written songs. Jeffrey Farmer, I think, is working on a little puppet show. Marin Cadell is working on something, which is quite exciting. Uh, Michael Yamamoto from um, Theater Replacement is uh, is making something that I think I can actually unwrap. Oh. So yeah, it should be a big birthday party, and then after that, Weekend Leisure is going to do their infamous karaoke with uh, some Vancouver-specific elements yet to be revealed. Wow, sounds yeah. very exciting. Now tell me also about Peter Panties. What is your part in that? Peter Panties uh, is a project that's been we've been working on for a couple of years, which is finally uh, going to be on the stage in February. Um, I've written music for for it, and the lyrics and the text were written by Niall McNeil and Marcus Yusuf. Mm -hmm. And this is a play with, with sort of a musical accompaniment? Yeah, there's songs in the play. I have yeah. a band. My band is a bunch of 15-year-old boys, actually, <laughs> okay. who are awesome. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, uh, it's very... The mus there are 18 songs in the production, so it's, there's a lot of music. Wow, that's great. Um, but all, some of it is used very uh, unexpectedly and... It's, but then there's a large cast. There's, there's been moments where it's really reminded me of hair, and then other moments where it doesn't at all. So there you go. <laughs> so there you have um, it. And it, there's another push show that you're involved in, is that right? Uh, what else? Oh, Trampoline Hall. Yep. I uh, curated that, which is always an amazing event. This was started by Sheila Hetty in Toronto a number of years ago, um, and we've done it out here once. Uh, it's an evening where people give lectures on subjects that they are not experts in. <laughs> Which people seem to do a lot in, in today's world. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. But these are, uh, these are yeah, these are formal, uh, formal short lectures that are, that are given. And we have this year, we have uh, Nick Kirkovich from the band No Kids will be lecturing on extreme sports. Um, uh, Yuriko Iga from Blim will be lecturing on liking things. And the artist Althea Sauberger will be lecturing on Bruce Willis. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, it'll be good. And you, you know, you're very, I must say, you are quite busy. Yes. Uh, you also have an album coming out. I do. I have a new record called Young St. Marie, which has actually been in the making for a couple of years, but we finally uh, are getting it out there. That should be... Uh, I'm getting it back from the press in a few weeks, I believe, so um, it'll be around and about. It's songs by Buffy St. Marie and Neil Young. 
Wow, that's great. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. So how do you um, how do you do all of these things all at once? Is it caffeine or drugs or what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm not going to reveal all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I right. stocked up on, on uh, fancy Chinese tea the other day. Ah. Uh, it's a bit tricky when it, when it all comes together like this. Like this uh, the next three months are, are uh, a bit crazier than I like to get. Um, but you just uh, you just keep your head down and, and keep really good lists. That's my other secret. Ah, excellent. Yep. Just keep it going. I mean, what's happening now is that I'm not uh, writing anything new right now. It's all rehearsal and, and getting ready. So as, what I find, as long as the writing doesn't all have to happen at the same time, I can usually pull it off. Sounds great. Thanks so much for taking a, a few minutes to tell us about all these exciting projects. My pleasure, Adam. We'll see you out there. And that's Veda Hilly. Uh, talking about how lists uh, is the way that she manages to get through uh, the day. <laughs> and, um, okay, so Happy Birthday Teenage City will be at Performance Works on Granville Island, and that'll be on January the 29th at 8 p.m., and tickets for that are $25. And then Trampoline Hall will be on January the 30th at 7 p.m., and that's part of Club push at also at performance works on granville island and you can uh, get more information or purchase tickets to those shows at the push website which is pushfestival.ca or if you go right now to citr.ca you'll see the art today's arts report uh, blog post and it has uh, links to all of the features that we have on today's show including this one um, and uh, as well as peter panties which will be uh, another show that veda Hilly is involved in, and we'll have an interview on that a little later. As well, a little later, we'll be giving away tickets, two tickets to Avenue Q for any night of its run next week, which is pretty nice. That's very flexible. Uh, but first, we are going to take a little break, so stay with us. It'll be a hot time in the old chapel on Saturday night, January 29th. It's the first annual Barn Burner Benefit, Vancouver's greasy rock and roll, rhythm and blues, and country review. Please join me, Bobby the Badger Ferris, host of the Barn Burner, for a night of honky tonk and rock and roll mischief. This show takes place at Vancouver's newest and most unique venue, Chapel Arts, in the downtown east side at 304 Dunleavy Avenue, just one block north of the Patricia Hotel. The Barn Burner Benefit features the stunning lineup of Shiloh Lindsay, Rodney DeCrew and his new convictions, and Minto. It's three headliners for the price of one. And the majority of the proceeds will be going to the greatest radio station on the planet, CITR 101.9 FM, and the greatest new venue in Vancouver, the Chapel Arts Gallery. Put on your boots and show your support to ensure that local artists and venues can continue to thrive in our fair city. In addition to the great acts playing, the night will also include a clothing raffle from Lifetime Collective, greasy cuisine, spaghetti westerns and the Galleria, and I'll be spinning the greasiest tracks between bands and after the show. Again, that's Saturday night, January 29th, 2011, at the Chapel Arts Gallery at 304 Dunleavy Avenue. $12 at the door, with doors opening at 8 p.m. There's no dress code, but denim on denim is probably advisable. The first annual Barn Burner Benefit, brought to you by Chapel Arts and CITR 101.9 FM. Hey, and that was Bobby Ferris talking about the Barn Burner, and we'll have an interview with him later in the show, so stay tuned for that. 
Now, the Push Festival is all about pushing boundaries, particularly between different media and styles, blurring the lines between theater and visual arts and dance and music. Rouge is one such show that seems to blend all of them. The only thing that can be easily pinned down about this show is its theme, red. From blushing to blood, red is a very provocative color, and it provided artist Julie André Té with a lot of material. Here she is talking about what the color rouge means to her. Well, first of all, I mean, it's a primary color, so it's impossible to make it any kind of mixed color to get red. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I like about that, too, is uh, red was the color, a first color that we named in the, the history of language and ling history of linguistic. Really? Is after uh, naming black and white for the night and the day, which is black and white is not considered a color, right. but uh, rouge, red is a color, and it was the first um, the first color that we name as human being. And uh, for me, it kind of tells everything. It's, it's the essence of everything. It's our blood, yeah. it's life. And it, of course, goes through different meanings in terms of love, violence, and et cetera, et cetera. But it somehow, the essence of a lot of things. Right, it's very basic, and so it has um, it's sort of a, a, a primary ingredient in, in a lot of a lot of humanity. So I, does does that mean the, um, do you have something to say in this show about uh, humanity, <laughs> the human condition? <laughs> I have a lot of things to say, I guess, <laughs> since it's kind of about you know there's maybe a hundred of actions in that show, and it's going through a lot of different emotions or feelings by doing different actions and like a lot a lot of objects in the show so i guess it's a bit like zapping you know the tv things going very quick and you get very fast messages and mm -hmm. i guess it's all like a very fragmented if we call message it's very fragmented and for me it's poetry that's the first thing and then the viewer is free to their own story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, now in your shows, uh, I just wanted to get a sense of what you do in, because you're not just moving, right? It's not dance as like ballet where you're sort of doing pirouettes on the stage, right? It's much more complex than that. I would say it's not that. dance at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, I guess uh, I, would, I would almost like prefer saying like some kind of experimental theater in a way. Mm -hmm. And I come from visual arts. That's my first training, if you want to say that way. Uh, I make installation. I, have, uh, I make exhibitions. My, my approach to performance on stage is very visual. So somehow when you look at the show, it's starting from a very virgin stage to building slowly a landscape in front of your eyes. Mm -hmm. And everything is, for most of the objects, I make small actions. And my only text is, what color is this? Mm. It's red. And basically, I'm asking this question for one hour, but <laughs> my... You know, a lot of people said it's almost like a soundtrack because the way I'm repeating that text is, that sentence is so, in so many ways that it's not like the words anymore that means it's the way that you're saying it. Mm -hmm. And this is complete with the actions that are the objects I'm going to use or the way I'm going to say it. Sometimes I'm singing it, sometimes I'm screaming it, sometimes I'm praying with it. Um, 
so I, that's why sometimes I, I prefer its performance art, and it's it's been built to be on stage, and it's on the edge of being theater dance, which is for me not so much important to put it in a category. La yeah, give it a label. Yeah. Yeah, putting a label, but it's it's kind of a painting, you know. It's like it's a life painting that is built in front of the viewer, but with many actions. It's very rhythmic and it's complete with with sound and and light so it's like a um, live picture tableau vivant like we say in french tableau vivant says uh, julien rete and uh, rouge is coming to the scotia bank dance theater on um, February the 3rd and goes until the 5th at 8 p.m. And there is also a post-show talkback on February the 4th, um, and that should be very interesting. Now, tickets, advanced tickets range from $26 to $32, and at the door they go from $28 to $34. You can get them from tickets-tonight.ca, uh, or you can get them from the PUSH website, which is pushfestival.ca, or from our website, uh, right at citr.ca. Uh, the blog post for today's arts report has links to all the events that we're covering on today's show. So if you want to get tickets to this, or if you missed uh, an earlier segment we had uh, earlier today and want to find out about that, you can check it out on CITR. Point, point C A. Wow, speaking failure on my part. All right, we're going to... We're going to take... Uh, we're not going to take a break. We're going to go right on to Peter Panties. Peter Panties is a remixed and reinvented version of Peter Pan, with some Macbeth thrown in for a little spice. It's the brainchild of Niall McNeil, a talented artist with Leaky Heaven Circus, one of Vancouver's most creative and ambitious theatre companies, in collaboration with Marcus Youssef of New World Theatre, another one of the city's best creative forces. So I snuck into a rehearsal of Peter Panties at the Progress Lab last, last week and managed to pull the two of them away for an interview, where Niall and Marcus talk about their unique teamwork uh, style, they talk about the show's original look and feel, and uh, they talk about how this is not a children's Peter Pan story. We're doing awesome this year. Uh, we got a bigger cast. Mm -hmm. um, the show will be strictly just for adults, not for children to mm -hmm. see. 18 or under. Um, the show is great, and my main problem is I'm a little pressured. Pressure. It is a high pressure time for us now, hey? Like it's a really, it's, this is the time, like Niall and I have, been, have spent a year and a half and Niall has been working on, on this thing um, with various artist friends for a long time, this Peter Pan. Uh, I've been writing this since the six years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I work at the Lick of Heaven, mostly. Uh, the poker, the poker slab is not really the like you have an office. It's only for feeders and have fun. That's right. So now let, remind you that where we are right now, Progress Lab, that's actually the New World space, but mm -hmm. we also work at the Leaky Heaven space sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of how we developed it, it was really mm -hmm. uh, kind of an awesome, or one of my, it's been one of my favorite creative processes ever. Niall and I would get together about once a week for a couple hours, and we would just talk about Peter Pan, and Niall would um, uh, talk about things that he thought should happen in the script. We'd, I'd ask him questions about that, um, and then he would make up songs sometimes, and I would write them. Mm -hmm. I videoed everything, okay. and then I took 
it's, I have hours and hours and hours and hours wow. of video yeah. and transcribed all that video and then edited it mm -hmm. into a script mm -hmm. that um, is what these guys are working with right now, this fantastic company of actors <laughs> and, and Lois and Steve. Hmm. Interesting. Would you say you're almost like a, like a curator for Niall's ideas? Well, my job is like, I, I, would, <coughs> I would say that like, there's many different kinds of co-writing. Mm -hmm. This kind of co-writing involves editing. Um, that's kind of what it's been because we have and organizing that's mm. the, the sort of function that mm. I've done as a co-writer and also I'd say like asking you a lot of questions like oh okay so if Wendy dies which she might in our version of Peter Pan yes. how does she die like what happens mm -hmm. like how does that happen and I had some ideas about that I do have some answer why she died two one is from uh, drowning two Captain Hook was his hook to turn Randy's heart, and I'm afraid he's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole story is about not merely the hook, the whole about does Wendy. That's right, it's kind of about Wendy, and, and the interesting thing about Hook, like in, in, in our version, or one of the interesting things I think of, or I think is really interesting, is, is Hook isn't just Hook, he's also Macbeth. Which, mm. when you think about it, makes a whole lot of a sense. Like, Hook and Macbeth uh, have a tremendous number of similarities, if you think <laughs> about it. And that's kind of the way the script works in many ways, is that mm. there are kind of associations or uh, uh, connections between things that, um, that Nye has seen that I wouldn't have necessarily seen uh, ever. But when Nye jams them or, or says them, I go, oh, right. Oh my God, that's awesome. That's mm. such a great idea. Um, and that's a lot of our process has been kind of like that. Okay, so uh, we're quickly running out of time, but okay. I wanted to touch a little bit on um, the, the staging or the, the look and feel of the show. From what I, from what I managed to, to sneak a look at, um, there's, it's a very, I don't know how to describe it, kind of uh, sprawling in the way that um, you know, it's visual, it's, um, it's got music, there are things hanging from the ceiling, there's glowing tables. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about... Um, all the, the, the variety, elements. yeah, all the yeah. different Well, elements. it's really interesting. I mean, we're just discovering it right now. Steve and Lois are really into kind of like a highly visual interpretation of this. Okay. Veda Hilly, the absolutely wonderful singer-songwriter, um, has written some extraordinary songs uh, for the show um, based on lyrics that, that Niall and I, well, Niall really wrote and I shaped, mm -hmm. and then Veda reshaped and then wrote music for them. There's a band okay. of teenage boys called the Bank Dogs who play with Veda. Okay. Um, and it is this kind of, I think, I think you hit it exactly right, this kind of very yeah. rich complicated world um, uh, which when you think of Peter Pan you may not necessarily imagine you may see a cartoon in your head or or Mary Martin in that kind of stagey adaptation from the 50s um, or a Hollywood movie like a good Hollywood movie but a Hollywood movie like Finding Neverland or something um, sorry I just uh, there's other version of Peter Pan too it's Kathy Wibby oh, yeah, and she is incredible as what Marcus is the music, it's the bank dogs, teenagers are really great to be with, and they're walk, walk on, mm -hmm. and they're very funny. They do rock on, I agree. And uh, like, it's, like I said, the staging, what you said about the staging is um, not very, it's not too far away from the audience. Mm -hmm. It's from eight, 18, what, a younger, from eight. I know Niles. Really, you're really concerned that kids don't come, eh? No, I do. I do want the, the kids to come. It's only from 18 and under. Like let's say, I'm 20, 28. Uh, Zach is what? How old is 16. 
16 and Which one is a bank dog? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does under 16. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's not your kid's Peter Pan. Yeah. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, my kids are in the show, so I don't worry about it so much. But there's definitely, like, if someone brought their five-year-old expecting, like, you know, uh, Disney, Disney yeah. they'd be very surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and like, probably not very happy. like uh, <laughs> yeah. four or six, no, yeah. not yeah. it's best thing not to have. But I'm looking for it just be open, up and running. And that was Niall McNeil and Marcus Youssef talking about Peter Panties, which is starting up on February the 2nd and will run for a while until February the 13th, which is longer than the Push Festival itself. So uh, it gets a bit of a bonus run, and that's going to be at The Colch. Uh, there's a preview on February 2nd at 8. Uh, let's see what else. There's also a matinee on the 5th and the 13th. There's a post-show talkback. Uh, so there's lots of uh, great opportunities to see the show. You can get more information at pushfestival.ca, or better yet, go to citr.ca right now, and in the blog post for today's show, there's a link uh, that will take you to the Culch website, and uh, there you can find out about specific you know, calendar dates that are available with tickets available, and you can, and you can purchase tickets there as well. All right, so we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to give those tickets to Avenue Q away. So get warm up your dialing fingers now, and uh, when we come back, we'll do that, as well as still provide you with uh, more uh, artsy content, uh, including telling you about a film called Fathers and Sons. We'll tell you about Kodo. Uh, drumming group all the way from Japan. They are touring uh, North America right now, and they're bringing a very heavy drum with them. We'll tell you how heavy exactly, and uh, and about that barn burner on Saturday. So stick with us. Join the UBC Film Society for their weekly movie screenings in the Subs Norm Theater every Wednesday to Sunday. This week's screenings are Mega Mind at 7 p.m. and Red. At 9 p.m., Wednesday the 26th through Sunday the 30th. Tickets are $2.50 for members and $5 for non-members. For more details and membership information, visit UBCFilmSociety.com. See you at the movies. All right, and we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR, 101.9 FM, and streaming online at citr.ca, and, of course, in podcast uh, form, which you can subscribe to at uh, citr.ca. You can also follow us on Twitter uh, from there also. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Yanush, and I'd like to tell you about our sponsor this week. That's the UBC Arts Undergraduate Society. They represent art students on academic issues, provide student services, and they host social events. They are on Twitter and Facebook. You can check them out at twitter.com slash UBCAUS or facebook.com slash UBCAUS. Uh, keep your eyes out. No, that's no longer valid. But yeah, check them out online um, and uh, see how they could support you if you are an arts student. Now, uh, I said before the break that we'll be giving away tickets to Avenue Q, the musical next week, any day of your choice. I believe it's from February 1st until the 5th. Uh, so we're almost there. But uh, first, we want to tell you about uh, 30 Live. Last fall, Dan Tanner launched a new music series celebrating unsigned local musicians with partner Leon Feldman. It's been steadily rising over these months, but 
only it's only one of the many things Dan has on the go, with his goal of nurturing the Vancouver music scene into new heights. Now, uh, we'll play a tune from one of tomorrow's uh, 30 live bands, but first, uh, here's Dan answering whether his plan is world domination. Well, we're looking at, looking at a few different venues now. Um, we're looking at some other venues out in Tofino, um, also up in Kyrona. Um, doing some bits and pieces out in Ottawa in the east. We're just uh, just trying to get the bands that we're involved with in as many different venues as possible so they get the get the maximum out of, out of the opportunities of their music's, music's presented for them right now. And and so, so world domination is your goal. Can you confirm that? Absolutely. <laughs> but joking aside, uh, speak a little bit towards uh, your goal for Vancouver and Vancouver music. What, what do you want to do? Well, all, all the work we're doing right now is um, geared towards our company that we're launching in summer this year, um, the 30 Live Group. And uh, that company will be sort of 60% event promotion, um, put on our own shows, and then uh, the other percentage that will be um, band management. We've actually got nine bands that we're looking after right now. And uh, that'll be everything. We'll be looking after them from, from management to bookings and uh, just trying to trying to get them to the next level, really. That's great. And in uh, is it true that in March and April you are looking for bands to uh, to promote? Yeah. Absolutely. We're always looking for uh, for new bands for the series. Um, March and April in particular that we're booking now. We're looking for some new talent, especially bands with some draw who are actually uh, promoting themselves in the right way and actually getting some of their friends out to their to their their uh, shows right now. So yeah, we're always looking for new acts. So yeah, if anyone out there wants to. Uh, wants to get on a 30 Live show, then they just need to hit me up on Facebook or uh, get a hold of one of us. That's great. Is there anything else you want uh, to add about either tomorrow or maybe some upcoming stuff? No, well, just the two, we've got two, the two massive shows we've got coming up are uh, obviously tomorrow night we have uh, TV Heart Attack in the Manvilles down at the Forum on Granville Street. And then uh, the biggest show we've done yet on February the 5th at the Corribolt, we've got a uh, topless gay love techno party supported by uh, Sex with Strangers and Panther and the Superfly band, so that's going to be a, a fantastic night. We've already pre-sold many tickets for that, but there are still some left, so uh, get your tickets from uh, Zulu, Red Cat, or uh, Neptune. All right, and that was Dan Tanner, who is looking for bands to showcase. He's got a venue, and uh, he wants you, if you are a musician, to to play. And you can just look up Dan Tanner on uh, on Facebook, or look up Thirty Live on Facebook, and you can find him that way. And get your band um, get your band on the stage. Now, uh, tomorrow's uh, Thirty Live show uh, will feature TV Heart Attack, uh, The Manvilles. Quickness and DJ Cheeky Disco, and that'll be at the Forum on Granville Street. That's 1161 Granville Street. Doors open at 8 p.m. Cover is $10, and that is tomorrow. All right, now we want to play a song from TV Heart Attack, and playing the song gives us a chance to uh, take some calls behind the scenes. So we're going to play AO from TV Heart Attack, and uh, when the song is on, that is your opportunity to call in for the Avenue Q musical tickets that's coming up next week, any night that you want. So call us right now. The number is 604-822-2487. That's 604-822-2487 and here's AO from TV Heart Attack. She only calls when she's feeling down 
And that's TV Heart Attack with the song A.O. They will be at the Forum tomorrow as part of 30 Live. And it's, uh, the doors open at 8 p.m. Uh, so check it out. Now, Vancouver filmmaker Carl Besai tests the limits of improv and actor-driven digital filmmaking with his new film Fathers and Sons, which opened last weekend in Vancouver. Arts Report correspondent Nick Panu caught the cast of this experiment in filmmaking at a recent screening. Here's Nick. Right now we are here at the screening for Fathers and Sons at Canada Screen. Um, yeah, the film is getting a lot of press, a uh, lot of buzz about this film, uh, you know, through the festival circuit and actually played a second time at the Vancouver International Film Festival. We have this privilege of sitting with... Menard Sood. And Stephen Lobo, uh, who played the son of Manaj Sue. You were saying during the Q and A that uh, the plot for for your scenes w- was very thick and 
obviously it was improv and uh, a lot of things came up on the fly. But uh, starting off, you, you have the plot. W was it kind of challenging where you're, you're kind of given the script, but a lot of freedom from Carl beside to do what you want? Oh, okay, no script. There's no script. I mean, we had, we had numerous meetings in the months prior, and we agreed what the storyline, the general storyline is that, okay, you're a gay father, your son's very conservative, um, you want to arrange a wedding, you, he doesn't want you to, you've got to convince him somehow, um, there's going to be a big fight, and you guys make up. And then we sort of whittle it down, okay, and this, um, this scene is going to start, it's going to be a restaurant scene where you're going to, you've got to convince them to um, ha allow you to throw the engagement party. But how the scene actually went, the actual dialogue, the exchange, was, was not scripted at all. The only thing scripted, so to speak, I wouldn't even say scripted, the only thing, the only outline we had were what the scenes were and what had to be, how each scene had to end, so to speak. I don't mean in dialogue-wise, but in terms of who had to win or what had to be decided. For example, the restaurant scene had to end with Steve agreeing to me throwing an engagement party for him. But how we got to that agreement was entirely up to us. And we had no idea entering how we were going to achieve that. Yeah, we, I mean, the, I think for the most part, I can only speak myself, for myself for sure, but I mean, we construct, we had the privilege and the luxury of being able to construct a plot to our strengths. We were able to, both Minaj and I, were able to create a, a story and characters that we knew we could, we could bring a lot to. Hello, I played Anton. My name is Jay Brazo. Uh, how are you doing? And thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Uh, have you uh, worked, uh, two, uh, two parts of the question, have you worked with Carl Bosai before? And have you been in a film where there was like substantial improv? I've done some improv stuff before. I never worked with Carl before, but I was in a, a film called Best in Show, which is the fellows who did the Wendy for Guffman, Christopher Gaston. So I had some experience of working in a kind of improvisational kind of place. So but not to this kind of capacity where you're going in every day and improvising every day. So it was really a, a wonderful experience, a very freeing experience to me. It's uh, one of the only films where I've always, you feel weird about, scary, it's very frightened about going to see it. And actually, uh, everything ended up uh, quite nicely, actually. So I was very proud of the, the piece. And we are joined by Ben... Ben Radner. Uh, who played one of the sons in uh, Fathers and Sons... Yeah, I, I was just uh, talking to Jay. Uh, I was wondering if I can ask you, uh, first, how gratifying was it to be given all this freedom? And a as an actor, being able to do improv, does it kind of allow you to evolve when you're allowed to be so creative, you know, trying all these different things? Uh, well, we're, we're kind of doing an improv now, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You do it all the time when you're interviewing people, right? Yeah. You know, so... Um, uh, how's it work for you? Do you enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoy it because normally I, I yeah, normally I'm quiet, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I never thought about that. Yeah. You know, you ask away, and uh, let's keep the improv going here. Uh, we are here at the screening for Fathers and Sons at Canada Screens, and we have this opportunity of speaking to Viv Leacock, uh, who played uh, one of the sons, Sons of Blue. Mankuma uh, uh, Davis was the name of my character on uh, Fathers and Sons. This was a completely new experience in that the whole film 
was going to be, you know, put together like this. There are other instances where there's different TV shows that do it, like Curb Your Enthusiasm is one where they do it the same way. They give a scenario and then just kind of see what works. Um, but this was very cool because we had meetings, we put together the story idea, and then we shot it. And it, it was, you know, little gems came up while we were shooting here and there. And uh, lots of stuff, lots of surprises when we did this, but they're all brilliant. I've been in huge blockbuster Hollywood films, you know, that I'm, I am proud of, uh, the work that I've done that I've done with other people, but this is, honestly, I can say, my most favorite, you know, collaboration that I've ever been a part of. It is really, from start to finish, the best thing I've ever been in. It, it, it really is. Other things I've loved because of the people and I love them and I, you know, and, and we had such a great time and we worked on it for months and months. And, uh, you know, and I've worked with, my brother had a TV show and I worked with him on his TV show. So, of course, I love that project. But this one, honestly, I could say it is brilliant from start to finish and everybody in it is a scene stealer. It's, it's a brilliant. I love it. And yeah. Carl Basai, he, uh, he's come up with a new way of shooting stuff. So, take note and thanks to Nick Panu for that report we're going to take another very short break and when we come back we'll tell you about Kodo drumming and, uh, and also the barn burner that's coming up on uh, Saturday so stick with us at Dunkin Donuts each and every radio show is brewed fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor if you're a tough customer only the taste of this radio show will do so go ahead let Dunkin Donuts make your radio experience exquisite indeed <laughs> Dunkin's Donuts serving sweet treats from the pop underground Thursdays noon to one Koto drumming from Japan unites high-energy percussion, elegant music, dance, and the striking physical prowess needed to sustain a precise yet powerful sound. Now on tour in North America, Kodo is coming to Vancouver, bringing with them a 900-pound Odaiko drum. I spoke to Jun Akimoto, a member of Kodo, about what makes Kodo unique among Japanese drumming companies, and he'll tell us about how uh, musical performance drumming of the style that Kodo is didn't emerge until after World War II. But first, I asked him to give us some background on the role of the drum in Japanese society. Um, main role used to be as... Uh like uh, some kind of tools of communication between um, people and uh, uh, God and also people and nature in general. But uh, the original importation of the drums um, from China was in back in the uh, 7th century. And uh, it was imported together with Buddhism. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was literally uh, uh, tools used in Buddhism and not as a musical instrument itself. So it was always attached to some kind of like a ceremony in Buddhism. And uh, even after the importation of drums in Japan, it was attached to Shintoism. So that's how uh, it became very popular with uh, local communities. Then uh, the uh, beginning of the uh, uh, usage of the drums uh, in musical settings uh, mm -hmm. only happened after the World War II, oh. um, 1950s. 
So this is quite new uh, a movement. Yeah, it's fairly uh, modern. Even though, yeah, the, the, even though um, the instruments are very ancient, the, yeah. the, the musical styles and also the usage uh, are quite uh, contemporary, actually. And the kodo was uh, um, in one of the uh, foundations of that style uh, in 1970s. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you that. What makes kodo unique? What makes it... Uh, different or, or better than any other uh, company in, in Japan? Well, you know, the, uh, we don't think, you know, Kodo is uh, uh, best group in, in this uh, genre, but uh, yeah. uh, I think the only difference is um, uh, from the other uh, Japanese drumming groups is that uh, we have learned from uh, uh, many of the traditional um, Japanese folk performing arts in uh, uh, different regions in Japan. And uh, we actually went uh, those regions to learn from the local people, uh, the actual performing arts there, uh, taking a long time. Mm -hmm. Then uh, uh, we put some kind of arrangement onto the original uh, styles, then uh, so that people, uh, international uh, audience, can understand uh, uh, very well because the original style is often difficult to understand. Of course, we always ask local people uh, for permission to uh, put the, uh, you know, these this particular pieces on the stage. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, our performance always attached to the original styles in specific regions in Japan. And uh, even if we uh, try to compose new songs from the scratch, um, the performers of Kodo always carry something, you know, original or a traditional uh, style uh, in their body. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's not always um, completely new, and uh, uh, the intricate blending of the traditional rhythms and also uh, contemporary uh, uh, styles. Hmm. So I think the main difference is, I guess. Can you tell me what's, uh, what's unique, uh, special about uh, the One Earth Tour? One Earth Tour uh, is, has been uh, trying to reach to as many as possible in the world. And uh, the idea began um, depend, uh, uh, based on the uh, ancient story in Japan that the, the, um, at least uh, people in a particular community can hear the sound of drums. The community uh, is regarded as one. So the sound of drums is kind of un the symbol of unification of the community. So uh, Kodo uh, have been trying to uh, extend that idea. If Kodo um, bring the, their uh, sound of drums throughout the world, mm -hmm. um, maybe uh, um, we can try to connect as many people in one community. So that was the main idea of, of the uh, One of Tour. Hmm. And it began uh, since... 1983. Okay. And I understand you have a 900-pound Odaiko drum. Can you tell me about yeah. this, this beast? Um, this <laughs> is <laughs> enormous uh, 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 largest tiger we have. And uh, uh, this is made out of one uh, piece of wood trunk. And uh, often um, this uh, requires eight performers of Kodo to bring up and down from stand and big cart. Um, so uh, this is a symbol of uh, um, Kodo performing style, but also this original performing style was uh, from uh, North 
eastern part of Japan, mm -hmm. uh, Ishikawa Prefecture. Um, but uh, the original style um, is not as uh, large as uh, the Odaiko we use. So mm -hmm. we extended the kind of exaggerate the, the size of the drums and uh, we created the largest drums ever. But, uh, you know, recently other uh, Japanese running groups have more, much larger size now, but uh, <laughs> uh, we think that the size is kind of maximum for uh, one human being to create a best sound out of it, because mm. if it's too large, it's very difficult to resonate. Uh, and that was June Akimoto from Kodo. And um, Kodo is coming to the Queen Elizabeth Theatre on January the 28th, which is this Friday. And tickets range from $54.50 to $77.50. Doors are at 7.30. Show begins at 8 p.m. And um, you can uh, hit a link to the tickets from our website, citr.ca, and find out all the information on that and every other event that we've covered on today's show. Now, we've got one more thing to tell you about, and that's the barn burner. Bobby Ferris hosts Barn Burner every Friday at 1 p.m. on CITR, and now he's come up with a Barn Burner party. That's coming on Saturday, January 29th to the Chapel Arts Center. How did this event come about? Maybe guilt had something to do with it. I'll let Bobby explain, but first, here is uh, him, here is he, describing his radio show for those who have not yet had the pleasure to hear it. I do the Barn Burner, uh, which is uh, aired 1 till 2 p.m. on Friday afternoons. Cool. And what kind of music do you do? Well, it's, uh, I, I feature it as the uh, greasier side of rock and roll, rhythm, and blues, and country. <laughs> I see. Does so that... on an average Friday, you can get anything from uh, kind of vintage uh, Stax R&B, King Records, uh, you know, a little outlaw country with some Billy Joe Schaefer, Chris Christopherson, and, and uh, stuff that's probably bordering on cock rock. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, anything from, uh, from, from Skinnerd, you know-esque stuff all the way to uh, stuff, stuff that's kind of like the helicopters, the oblivions, kind of more, you know, garagey southern rock. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. And uh, now, uh, Barn Burner, the name, is lending itself to uh, a whole event coming up on Friday, right? Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. And uh, what's, is it going to be the same kind of idea, the same kind of uh, vibe as the show? Definitely. Um, uh, I've basically picked artists that, uh, that I have featured um, on the show that are local. Mm -hmm. uh, so Shiloh Lindsay, Rodney DeCrew, and his new convictions, and Minto have all been spun on my show. And uh, that, that definitely that vibe is going to be there. I'm going to be uh, spinning some greasy tracks as well. Cool. Now, is this going to... Uh, uh uh, add calories to uh, to people or, or this greasiness. Or, or uh, no? We we do have Lucy's Diner as a sponsor. <laughs> oh really? So, nice. Yes, there will be. Uh, from what I understand now, there will be cornbread, uh, <laughs> veggie chili, and uh, and and pulled pork sandwiches. So nice. don't be expecting uh, you know any uh, activia yogurt or stuff <laughs> that's really going to kind of trim your waistline at all. Right on, right on. And a little guilty pleasure now and then is good, right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. You have to indulge every once in a while. Hence my show on Fridays. You have to indulge <laughs> once a week yeah yeah and um how did this uh, how did this come about this idea well I, you know i always had a, you know i always kind of had an idea to um to kind of get uh, you know a, a, a gritty show uh concentrated around uh local artists of of uh kind of the ilk of the stuff that i play on the show what happened was uh during the fun drive i ended up going on my honeymoon um, oh, yeah. and so i didn't really get a chance to do any type of pledge work to kind of benefit uh, the station i see guilt that's what it is <laughs> so, so 
out of guilt, I, uh, I talked with our, our station manager and our programming director and said, listen, uh, let me throw a benefit concert and, uh, and we'll, we'll try to raise some money that way. Cool. And, and it, do you think that that's missing in, in this town, a, a bit of gritty, greasy, um, bluesy rock and roll kind of shows? I, I do. Uh, you know, I, I think that they, they do get out every once in a while, but, um, but there's never anything that's just kind of centered on that scene. Yeah, is there, is there a good, like, what's a good, what's a good blues bar? What's a good hangout? Well, you know, in, in terms of stuff, you know, the Railway Club's always been good for that kind of a, of a, of a feel and a venue. Um, recently, I find that the Fairview Pub is actually booking some really decent acts. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm just nodding. Yes, oh, yes. sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the Fairview Pub is good for that. Um, you know, it's um, places like the Biltmore are good, but as you know, it's a very, very eclectic, you know, mix of yes. which is great. You know, with, with with lots of different types of music coming in. Um, so every once in a while, you know, you'll get uh, you know you get the drive-by truckers or Lucero in town or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but it, you know, there's not really kind of a consistent vibe. The place that I'm throwing it at, Chapel Arts. Um, is doing a lot of work right now with Northern Electric Records, which is what Rodney DeCruz is on. It has a very kind of uh, rootsy, uh, kind of you know country rock feel to it, uh, as well as some old garage rock uh, um, stalwarts in Vancouver, like the Pointed Sticks are actually on that uh, on that record label too. Um, but uh, they're doing their part on Thursdays to kind of try to get that uh, kind of rootsy rock scene going in in Vancouver. So definitely keep a lookout for Chapel Arts, and and that's where the uh, where the Barnburner Benefit's going to be on Saturday. Yeah, and maybe. Maybe keep an eye out for the barn burner uh, event. Maybe it'll come back as well. Definitely. Oh, for sure. This is the the first annual. <laughs> barn <burner> event. <laughs> so hopefully, if things are a success, then it's going to be around for round two next. And that's Bobby Ferris telling us about the barn burner, all all the versions of it. In the clip there, uh, we said it was Friday, but it is uh, Saturday. Saturday, January the twenty. 20- 9th at the Chapel Arts Center. Uh, doors are at 8 p.m. $12 is the cover. It will feature Shiloh Lindsay, Minto, Rodney D. Crew, and his new convictions. And of course, DJ Bobby Badger spinning the greasiest tracks in town. There will be spaghetti westerns playing hourly. I don't know what that means. Greasy grub and a clothing raffle by the Lifetime Collective. So check that out this Saturday. All right, well, it's, uh, it's 6 o'clock, so that means it's time for me to get out of here. But uh, next week, we'll have a few more push previews for you, two to be specific, including... Uh, including one w- where we will talk to Volker Gerling, who is a German artist, and what he does is uh, portraits. And then he does these flip books of the portraits, and he goes to people uh, on the street in the world and does these flip books for people and shows them um, a sort of little movie. You know, he flips through uh, the book of portraits of one person, and it looks like the person is sort of moving and, and showing off little moments and that stimulates a sort of conversation and then he asks this new person that he's talking to if he could take their picture and so the thing goes on and on and on and he's been in Vancouver for the last week collecting uh, portraits and showing his his flip books and and accumulating stories to tell at the Push Festival so uh, yeah join us next week for that Uh, if you don't already subscribe to our